Hey, this podcast is not kid-friendly. So if you don't want your kid to hear about sex and the word shit and all that other stuff, you should probably get them out of the room right now. Everybody has a secret. This is Beyond the Secret, an anonymous podcast where I uncover the truth behind people's deepest secrets. My name is Ace Fanning, and I want to know... What's your secret? Welcome back to another week of Beyond the Secret. As you can tell from the second that you downloaded this episode, you know that this is going to be a lengthy one. So I don't want to waste too much of your time in the beginning. But I want to come on and say that I don't think there's really that much inappropriateness in this episode. I'm sure I swear here and there, and I I think we talk about sex a little bit, but it's really not that bad. And the reason I'm saying that is because I really want young girls and boys to hear this episode because I think it translates to a lot of different topics. And I just think it might be an eye opener for them on certain situations and uh, I'm rambling. So this week's secret, I grew up in a cult. Tell me about your childhood, like your family, your life and going to church and what all of that looked like when you were young. When I was younger, we always were in like, like we would go on and off to church, just like little like Baptist churches and things like that. But I guess all of it kind of started when we joined a church. I was probably five years old and it's, looks like a normal church, like pretty decent sized church. They called it non-denominational Christian church. So it's not like Baptist or they said non-denominational, but basically it was a form of Pentecostal Christian. I don't know if you know what that is. I don't. Okay. Um, Pentecostal Christian, they believe the Bible for what it is, but they take things extremely literal. So In the Bible, it says something like, there's a quote where it says, women shouldn't wear clothes pertaining to a man. So based off of that, so none of the women can wear pants, no shorts, nothing. So I grew up from that point on only wearing dresses, long dresses and skirts. Um, They believe that women shouldn't cut their hair. So from that point on, I did not cut my hair again until I I was probably 20 years old. Before I cut my hair. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, long dresses and skirts. I mean, there's so much. They don't believe women should wear jewelry or anything gaudy. Because, you know, in the Bible, they talk about, like, how, like, the Jezebel women were super gaudy with jewelry and things like that. So extremely minimalistic. Like, looks like Little House on the Prairie. That's what people look like. So your family went to a different church before this? We went on and off to church, but I was five years old when we joined this church. So before we went like on and off to like maybe Baptist church, nothing though strict, like nothing like this. Mm. So you're going to church, you're growing up in this church and what is your home life like? Like what is the relationship between like you and your parents and like your parents together, all of that? I was super young when we joined this and at first it was just my mom that my mom actually met somebody who work who was part of this church and she started bringing us and my dad wouldn't go. And then my dad ended up joining, but at home, like 
they were together since they were super little, but I mean, I remember my whole childhood, them fighting and stuff, but as far as my relationship with them, I would say I was always closer to my mom, but, um, yeah, once my dad joined, then we were all in, we were there every Sunday and then they had like Wednesday night service and we were there all the time. Um, what is your sibling situation? How many siblings do you have? I have an older sister and then I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Your older sister, how much Mm -hmm. older than you is she? She's four years older. Okay. So she was nine, 10 around the time that you guys started going to this. Yeah. Is her experience with this church similar to how you feel or did she kind of embrace it more or? Um, I mean, she embraced it the same as me at that point, but where, as far as right now, we both are not part of it anymore. Um, and just recently, I would say in the last couple of years, she was like fully not involved with these people. And we've been able to kind of talk to each other and bonds on a whole nother level over this, because there's so many things that I haven't been able to talk to anybody about because they don't really understand, you know, mm-hmm. um, from a young age in this church, they were against TVs and watching movies. My mom still kept our TV, but like there was Disney movies I wasn't allowed to watch. Like I wasn't allowed to watch Aladdin, anything that was like, so if you think that men were like gaudy or like, like that, that Jezebel, that whole thing, not allowed to watch it. I wasn't allowed to watch normal TV, like super, I mean, extremely sheltered. So like when I would talk about it and I was like kind of embarrassed to say that now I realize that like this became a cult situation, I would just say I was brought up extremely conservative, religious, but we weren't allowed to listen to the radio. The fuck it, did it, you guys extremely... do? <laughs> Like, what did you guys I know. do with your free time? <laughs> I mean, we watched, like, some, but we weren't... There was a lot that we weren't allowed to watch. Like, if they thought that it was bad, then we weren't allowed to watch it. Like, I didn't even understand, really. I, I just knew I wasn't allowed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, from that church, you know, as we got a little bit older, a group of people from that church with one guy kind of being the main, the main person, he was probably the most involved in that church at the time, there was kind of a disagreement um, with the pastor of the church. And so we all broke off from that church. And it was like, I would say at that time, maybe a group of 40, 50 people, maybe 50 broke off and kind of started their own church. And that was really the turning point when things got extremely controlled, extremely like a whole nother mental level, mm-hmm. I would say. So you think, you know, when you went to the church, it wasn't necessarily a cult. It was more of an actual church. It was the Sunday service. I mean, it was strict, obviously, mm-hmm. but the cult situation didn't really come on until you guys had this break off moment. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And how did things change for you guys? We still had church, but it wasn't, it was always in a house was in houses it's a small group of people or it was on you know the guy who kind of led it on his property but it was it became so I'll back up a little bit that church before a lot of the ministry was based off of this man and you can look him up and google him his name is William Branham and he claimed to be a prophet so he claimed to be do you know what a prophet is yeah like they're the ones who have like spoken to God and exactly. Yeah. Pass on God's so he word. Claimed, 
Exactly. So that first church was based off of William Branham's ministry. He had a church back in like the sixties and anyways, so it was based off of him and his like main thing was that he healed people. So he could heal people who are sick, supposedly, you know, all of that. So this break off, he kind of broke it off with William Branham, but then he became saying he's the prophet. So this small group all became based around him and we really like looked at him like he's he literally would say he was Jesus Christ in flesh and obviously this was a pro- a process over a long time like many many years i don't want people to hear it and think like if someone came up to me and said hi i'm jesus christ obviously you wouldn't believe it but this is years and years and years of like manipulation and you know so much but yeah he basically said he's a prophet he's like the next coming of jesus and that he said that he could read thoughts. So like he said that he could pick up on people's thoughts and that like things would come to him in dreams. So it was really, I mean, as a kid, it's very scary because it's like, if you're thinking something, you know, you're thinking that he could pick up on your thoughts and see what you're thinking, but they were super strict too about boys and girls. So in church, like for most of my young life, women were not allowed to hug men at all. You always shake hands. Um, they refer to the women as like sister or something. So like you'd be, um, brother fanning probably. And they were not allowed to like, you're not allowed to like touch them when we go swimming, boys and girls couldn't go swimming at the same time. And even in swimming, like I wasn't allowed to wear, I couldn't wear a swimsuit. Like they would make the girls swim in like skirts or like extremely oversized men's shorts. I'm sorry, but swimming in a skirt sounds like I know dangerous thing that you <laughs> just trying to kill you guys off. Like a skirt in a pool seems like it would just really weigh you down. Oh yeah. Like I remember us going to theme parks and we'd have to ride on the rides with a skirt. Like I, you'd have to tuck the skirt in between your legs so that like no one would see anything. Um, eventually for like a time, but it only lasted a time because they ended up taking it away that like we could wear uh, like gaucho pants, like those like really really loose jean pants. The most ill-fitting, um, but it was ever. Oh my gosh, the most unflattering. Yeah, <laughs> um, we we could wear those, but only for certain occasions, like horseback riding or something like that. But it was very much anti-women. When you guys originally move, it's like the 50 or so of you guys who go with this guy and mm-hmm. doing stuff out of his house. Does the 50 grow or does the 50 kind of drop off over time? Drops off over time. Okay. Um, there was a couple of people that would like come and join, but I would say overall it ended up dropping off and getting a little bit smaller. And what sort of things would they talk about like during services? I mean, it was so like, brainwashing it was so like he talked about basically like if you're in this group so they called this group like the group and if you're part of this it means you're part of like this is the body of christ and they basically said like only the people here are the people that are going to be saved and the rapture like these are the only people that even have a chance and even you being here doesn't mean you're going to be going to heaven it was basically like part of this group you're part of this, but everyone else in the world, they'd call them worldly. And basically like, if they said worldly, it meant that you were like Satan's people, like you were going to hell. You're like, they said, you're not supposed to have worldly friends. Um, you were not allowed to date somebody 
outside of the church or like if you were going to go and like meet somebody outside of the church, that means that you're going to hell and you're not part of it anymore. It was very, very much like it, it sounded safe, but yet it's so just manipulative and controlled. You know what I mean? I know. Like I think about it now and I'm like, I mean, I go to church and I go to CCV, which is a church a lot of people don't like and a lot of people do like, but like we go to church and it's like, Hey, were you mean to somebody this week? Let's talk about how, like where in the Bible it says that we could be better people. Like we didn't, I never go to church and they're like, are you friends with worldly people? Like you're going to die with them. God. Yeah. I can't imagine like, especially being younger and so impressionable having to hear that. Yeah, it was if you're not here, then you're nobody, you're nothing. And, and what kind of effect did that it, have like on you? I mean, were you going to school or were you homeschooled? I was in regular, I was in a private Christian school growing up until sixth grade and the uniform was skirts. So like, I mean, I had really long hair, but besides that, it like, wasn't, I wasn't that much of a spectacle. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. And all the girls wore skirts. It was the school uniform. But um, at sixth grade, the like leader, I'll just say like the pastor of the group, he decided that it was wrong. He told my parents it was wrong that me and my sister were in private school, that it was a bad influence because it was a private Christian school like that had a Baptist church. So I guess like that like biblical part of it was Baptist, and he said it was a bad influence. And so he told my parents that we needed to be taken out and put in a regular public school. And so my parents pulled us out. I was in sixth grade. My sister would have been in in like junior high and put me in public school. And the public school, it was a little bit of a culture shock, but I would say the biggest, it was like mid-year sixth grade. The biggest though was when I went into seventh grade into junior high because it was the biggest one in Arizona. And it was a complete culture shock. Like I stood out more than anything. I mean, I had super long hair. I had to wear super long jean dresses and skirts. I remember riding the bus to school and like an Eminem song came on. and It was like Kiss FM or something. It was like cussing. And I started to cry. I was so mortified because I hadn't heard that. Like I hadn't been around that. I mean, I was bullied pretty bad in school because of that, because of the way I looked. And when people would ask me, like, why do you always wear skirts and dresses? I just said that I like it. They'd be like, why don't you cut your hair? Your hair's so long. I would just say I like it long. I I mean, obviously, you're not going to say, you're not going to get into it because it's way too much to explain to be like, well, the church I go to and like blah, 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 blah. But it was really sad. It was really messed up because I got made fun. I got bullied a lot. I remember like kids would yell like mother Mary and like just say really mean things. And when I would tell my mom or like other people in the church, they'd be like hurt, you get picked on and stuff at school and whatever. And I'd say, yeah. And they'd say, you know, God sees that and recognizes that, that you're standing for him. And like, almost like I was doing like a service to God by going through that. And now looking back, I'm like, I should have never had to even deal with any of that. You know, it's so sad. I think, and I don't, I don't know if my perspective is just, I don't think it's much different, but because of the fact that I was bullied, I was like, uh, when I have kids, the number one thing that I want is for them to just like, not have to experience that. And I'm not saying I want my kids to grow up and be little bitches who never experience anything, but I just, you know, I wouldn't want to purposely make them a, a target for other people. 
like, oh, I, yeah. I think the worst thing that could have happened to you was going to a public school. And I'm curious why he really wanted, like what his thought process was behind that. Because, you know, he says this religious aspect of the school wasn't good, but like, why would then he want you to go and mingle with worldly people? I know. I have no idea. I don't know why anybody, it was horrible. Like I, I would say junior high and high school were some of the worst years. Like I got picked on every day. I remember I, I, you have to understand I was so sheltered. I had no idea what sex was. I had no idea anything. I remember a boy came up to me with like a blown up condom and was like, everyone was laughing. And he was like, do you want to see this? Do you want to like, I was like, I have no, I had no idea what that was. And this girl came up and she was like, do you know what that is? I'm like, I have no idea. It was total culture shock. So I don't know why he would want that. I think that, I mean, looking back, tons of decisions made no sense, but I think it was just a control thing. Like, I think that he got off and liked the fact that he could just tell people like, you can't do this anymore. And they would do it. And my parents did it. They pulled us right out of school and did exactly he said, I would come home crying every day. I begged my mom to homeschool me. I said, please, can I be homeschooled? I hate going to school. I hate it. Like kids are so mean to me. And she said, no, like he said for us to go to school. And that was that. Thinking back on it. And like, I, I feel like probably at some point you did make some friends. What was it like? Like, did you ever have your friends over? Did you go to friends like birthday parties outside of your church? A little bit. I did. I finally did make, I made one or two friends in junior high that I would, you know, hang out with a little bit. Um, and they would come over a little, I would go over a little, but you know, one of the things and one of like his messages in the church is like, you shouldn't have a lot of worldly friends. Like you shouldn't even want worldly friends. You should be trying to make friends and have friends with people in the group. You know, um, I did a little bit and I would say more, it started in high school. I made a couple more friends and I would go and do stuff more. The sad thing is my mom, it was like, she would allow stuff a little bit, but she would be like, you can't tell anybody about it. Like it was like, it was allowed, but don't tell anybody at church. Like you can go to your friend's house and like, you can do this, but you can't do not take pictures. I don't want you talking about it at all. And were you able to, did you ever talk to your friends about like, I mean, I, I mean, I'm trying to remember back to being like middle school, high school. Did you ever talk to your friends about like your religion or anything like that? Or did it come up? No, because so this is the thing. The leader of the church basically would say that if you have one ill thought against this, or if you have one bad thing, one bad thought, against this group of against this like word you could be struck dead like you could get sick like you better he'd be like you better think about your thoughts and make sure that there's nothing bad against anybody here anything here and I think to avoid that because I was so scared because for years like we'd see someone maybe someone would get cancer maybe someone's family member or someone would get really sick he would say and use it as an example and say, that's because they said something negative about our family or that's because, so he would use examples. So for my whole life, I saw people like get sick or get in a really bad car accident. And I was told it was because they thought something negative. So for me, I just would, I would just say, oh, I, I wouldn't get into it because I was so scared of like having to even talk about it and say something negative. 
And honestly, that affected me all the way to my adult years. Like probably just in the last few years, I've started to really talk about all of it. And like, cause I realized how fucked up that a lot of the stuff was, but I still would get nervous because it was drilled in me to never talk about it. Nothing. That is so fucking crazy. I can't imagine yeah. like, I think a lot of times too, when, when a family member, let's say does get cancer, you really do want to depend on your faith and your church and these people to kind of help you through this situation. You want your prayers and stuff like that. But th- you're telling me this guy, like they'd be like, Oh no, our daughter got cancer. He'd be like, yep. Knew it. She was a little bitch. She was talking shit about us. Yeah. Basically he'd be like, well, you better search your heart and figure out what's been going on and to why, you know, God would allow something like this to happen to your family. Like basically what slipped in any doubt as they'd say, did you let doubt slip in? Because maybe that's why, you know, you just lost your job or maybe that's why. And you have to understand too, such a small group, everybody was so focused on everybody. If something bad happened to you and maybe, maybe you didn't do anything like, you know, maybe they, they probably didn't do anything, but maybe something happened, just life happens or someone gets sick. Everybody would look at you like that because everyone believed everything he said so much. So it was like, oh, wow, like what's going on with them and, you know, things like that. Like I remember too, if you miss a church service, he would make such a spectacle out of you. And he would have like, I remember we had to miss a couple services and one time our family was on vacation. And he would make it last minute church services, I think purposely last minute so that like it would be hard to go and show up, but we missed it. And he had a whole service and said like, whoever isn't here, you know, shame on them and like, you know, whatever. So then we show up for church the next week and no one's talking to us. No one will talk to me. No one will, you know, whatever. And you have no idea why. And then it's like, come to find out later through you know, people talking that it's because you missed a church service. Like no one's talking to you this week. Could you imagine being like a, I'm thinking of myself, like a 10 year old boy and you know, like at 10 years old church is like so boring. Like you don't want to be there. You don't want to listen. You just want to like, especially when you're in like the adult one, it's not like you guys got to have like the, the kids zone area at church. You guys were all together. Can you imagine like me sitting there, all I ever did at 10 years old was like pick my nose. Imagine getting a bloody nose like, in the middle of service. And like, I just imagine all of these people scattering away from me. And like, he must have had an ill thought. <laughs> oh my God. It sounds funny. But that's really, that's really what it was like. Oh, it's like, no, the kid was just picking his nose. Like he always does. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah, So exactly. When- when do you feel like your rebellion kind of started to come through? Cause I, I, I mean, the fact that you're saying, you know, middle school and beginning of high school, you're like, you're still kind of a pretty sheltered kid. And a lot of this stuff is so shocking to you. I feel like you were still kind of, uh, by the church definition, a good girl. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause my older sister, she was like the, like more rebellious one. Like, she was the one that was like getting in trouble more and kind of like pushing the boundaries. Like she would, I remember she put pants like in her backpack. I don't even know where she got them. I just got them from someone at school. So she'd wear her skirt to school and then she'd change at school and then getting caught and getting huge trouble. But I never was like, I never was like that. I never 
I was so scared of getting in trouble. Like I still get scared of getting in trouble right now. I'm like always scared with work and everything. I'm getting in trouble. But I think also seeing her get in trouble and do those kind of things, it made me even more so like not want to ever like not listen or follow the rules. But I would say I started to get a little bit and probably like venture off a little bit when I was like 16. But a big thing kind of happened when I was 17. I think I, the thing that's making me like so irritated by this whole thing is just you talking about, and like still as you're almost 30, correct? Uh huh. Like an almost 30 year old woman still talking about how like you're still scared. Like I, I don't ever, I would never want my, I don't want my kids to grow up to be scared. I want my kids to grow up to be respectful and I want them to have like a healthy fear of like, you know, people who are in charge and like not being an asshole to them. Like some kids are like, mm-hmm. uh, I want to be the parent who like is always on the teacher's side. If my kid's an asshole, but like, I don't want my kids to be scared. And I can't imagine just going through life always scared of everything and getting in trouble. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's not always scared, but I still do get scared about getting in trouble. I think that it's like, I don't know, just being brought up in that kind of like fear based atmosphere. It makes you still second guess. It's so funny too. Cause my sister said it the other day and she's like, you know, she's going to counseling and seeing a therapist and there's basically said to her that, you know, you find yourself always second guessing your decisions. She's like, that's from that. Like that stems back. Like people don't second guess a hundred times with all this stuff. It's kind of a fear based thing. And I recognize that in myself too, like making decisions. I'm always kind of scared about making the wrong decision. I'm always scared of doing something that is going to get in trouble. And it's so funny because who am I going to get? There's no one that's going to get me in trouble right now. You know what I mean? I'm not with my mom. I'm a grown adult, but I'll catch myself doing that a lot. That's, that's just like so shitty. Cause we don't, I mean, you know, we hear about these things of like people growing up in certain situations, but you kind of, sometimes we think like, Oh, you're an adult now. Like your life moves on. It's like, no, like you are shaped by your childhood. And I don't know. I just, I would never want that for my own kids. Um, okay. So what happened at 17? Growing up in this group, like I, I don't know if I mentioned already that, you know, if you're going to date, they would call it court somebody. It has to be somebody that's part of the group, right? So they said, because you can't be with anyone worldly, that's wrong, you know, whatever. So there was nobody really my age. I was like in that middle age, like everybody was either older than me or there was, you know, kids younger than me, but part of the group, somebody joined and this, you know, boy joined was a little bit older than me. Now looking back, I'm like, I don't know if I really even liked him or if I thought like, that's just my only option. If I ever want to be with somebody, cause he's the only one that's like near my age, you know? Um, but I started to talk to him when you're courting somebody in there, they don't let you be alone. You're not allowed to be alone. You're not allowed to go places. You're not allowed to like anything. Like, so we we're talking Um, and this went on for, I think for almost a year until I was like 18, but we would like sometimes hang out in private. He'd pick me up at my house, you know, whatever. Well, we started to kiss. Okay. That's it. I kissed him. Mm -hmm. Um, we would like make out a little bit. Okay. Slip a little time. Um, 
Slip a little tongue, you know, <laughs> May, very rated R. Um, Any heavy petting. Like maybe light, but barely, no. Mostly hands, like waist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, at that point, like, I think I had an idea what sex was, but I, like, didn't fully know, Mm -hmm. like, exactly. One day the pastor, and there at this point there was, like, an assistant pastor as well. They called my parents, and they said, you know, we're calling a meeting. Um, And they would do that sometimes. The, like, head of the church would call meetings, and you knew it wasn't good. So immediately I'm like totally worried and freaked out. Um, we go and meet and they're talking and they, he said, you know, I need to know because I've had, I picked up on something, anything's going on with you two. Like, have you guys kissed? Have you anything? And he lied and he said no. And then they looked at me and I said, yes, we have we kissed. My dad stood up. I remember there was like a vending machine and he like punched the vending machine. Um, I was so angry. And they immediately like started screaming in my face, like going off on me. Sorry. No, at 17 years old, you just told the truth and all of these adults are just coming at you? You like grown men in my face, screaming at me. And I remember like the assistant pastor, you know, he said like how wrong it was, how I was dirty, how he said, you know, when I married my wife and I remember them, the person marrying us, when he said, kiss your bride, I didn't even know what to do because it was so pure and so of God. And you will never know that you will never have that. Um, and what's so fucked up is to find out later that that was a total lie. Like he was like wild before he got married and he was like doing tons of stuff, but they basically were screaming in my face and they said it was wrong. They said I wasn't allowed to be around like little girls anymore. Like around, you know, my friends, they were younger than me. They said I was a horrible influence. And like the crazy thing is they didn't, they weren't yelling at him. And, you know, the whole thing was very, very male dominated. Like they literally would say that women were a thousand times weaker than men. Everything was very much anti-women, but I guess I didn't notice at the time how it was like so much towards me. And then imagine all of that happened. And my mom and dad are sitting right there. And my dad is like, so angry. Um, Your dad's the one punching the fucking vending machine. Yeah. Like so angry. Like you would think that I did something absolutely horrible and so bad. So then we leave. I went home and I went into my room. I shut the door. I didn't leave my room, I think for two days. And, you know, I haven't, I told my sister this just recently, but I got to probably the darkest place of my entire life. Like I honestly, I've never once hated myself and like contemplated killing myself. Like I did that. I have never gotten to that bad of a place. And I literally wanted to die because I thought my life is over. You know what I mean? Because I felt like I'm not part of this anymore. And like, that was all that mattered. And, you know, my whole life I've followed the rules and I've done everything and, you know, done my best and I ruined it. I, I, I 
felt like there wasn't any point anymore in living, you know? And I, what's so makes me so angry about that is the fact that like God and religion is supposed to be something that like, I mean, if we're being really honest, it's supposed to be something that helps lift you up, something that's for you when you feel like you hit those moments. It's not supposed to be something that puts you into those moments. Yeah, I, I know exactly. Yeah, I, I didn't leave my room for two days. And then it it must have been midweek, like maybe Wednesday night when that happened, and then come to service on Sunday. And it was an entire church service about it to me. So in front of everybody. So then everybody knew. The amount of shame that I felt, I mean, it was so bad. So you're in this group and like, essentially this whole group of people became, you know, like my family. Like I I grew up with all these people. The assistant pastor preached the service and he was screaming, you know, saying, you know, everything about how it's wrong to do anything for marriage, how it was an entire sermon, you know, for two hours about me. And looking at me the entire time, glaring at me. So everybody knew, you know, everybody was looking at me. And I sat there and took it. I remember sitting there like, don't cry, don't cry. Because I didn't want to create more of a spectacle of myself, you know. And I just took it and then went straight to the car afterwards. I asked my mom for the keys of the car, went to the car and just cried and cried. And after that, like, none of my friends could hang out with me. Because their mom said that I was a bad influence, that, you know, they didn't want them around me. Uh, but the, what the really fucked up part is the pastor of the church, like, if someone got in trouble or, you know, corrected them like that or whatever, then he would come after and be like, this was God, you know, looking out for you. And this is because God loves you. Like, this is because he cared enough to get you out of this and stop you before things got more. Can I, so I want to ask you something. I'm totally putting this on you, but so Mm -hmm. you're 17 at the time, but do you feel like it would be a fair assessment to say that like maturity mentally, not saying like you were dumb or behind in school, but like maturity wise, you were more like a 12, 13 year old. I don't, I mean, as far as knowledge of like sex and all of that and like real life stuff. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Because maybe I guess what I'm, you know, I think about like, you know, we think about 17 year olds today and like, they have, like, I know. they have social media and they have like Kylie Jenner that they look to and like 17 year olds today look like they're 27 and stuff. And even back, like me and you are the same age, thinking back to like when I was 17, I feel like I, and I feel like I'm totally using the wrong words, but what I'm trying to say is like, I was so much less sheltered than you that like, I had a whole lot more of exposure and experiences to the world. And you'd even said like your friends were all younger than you because you were that awkward middle age of the church and you didn't have anyone your age. I'm just trying to get people to understand your mindset at this time. And like, this is your whole world and this is all of your people and this is everything to you. And he's shaming you in front of all of them. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, something too, that I left out at this time. So my mid senior year, he then decided that it was no longer okay for us to be in public school and that we needed to be homeschooled. Oh my so God. Like, yeah. So at this time I wasn't going to public school. I was doing homeschooling online. And so even more so I didn't have that like normal people interaction. Like this was even more so my whole life, my whole world. So your parents pulled you out of public school in the middle of senior year. Yep. Yep. And I was so upset because I had finally like started, you know, having friends and kind of feeling like, like kind of okay, you know, and they pulled me out. I, I begged them not to, but they did. They pulled us out and they moved. Uh, we moved to a city way off from everything. So it was like an hour away from where we were living before. I think it's, I want people to understand it. Like at, at that time, like I remember being 17, I was so sensitive to, I mean, I'm 30 years old and I'm still a sensitive bitch, but <laughs> I was just so sensitive to everything. And I was so completely fragile. Like you had to be so careful with me because any little thing could have tipped me off. And I was living a, by all accounts, pretty normal life for a 17 year old. I can't imagine going through all of that, you know, and some people might be like, Oh, my daughter decided to stay home during senior year and do online school. I'm like, no, 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 no. You didn't choose to do this. You were forced to be homeschooled. You were forced away from your friends and you were forced more into this lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, something too is I'm, I'm a curvier girl. Um, and I went through puberty at a very young age and I feel like that too, they kind of made me before this happened. And I told you, I, I never did anything bad. I, I follow the rules. Like I obeyed everything. Um, but because of like me getting boobs and things like that, they were like, your clothes are too tight. You know, they kind of made me out to be like, I was this like bad secular like type, um, of girl. And so when this happened, it was like, they completely jumped on it and like completely went in on me like nothing else. But that was a constant thing is like, they were like, your shirt's too tight. You can see, you know, the outline of your boobs, you're, you, you can't do this. You couldn't wear makeup. You couldn't wear jewelry. You couldn't anything. Uh, I can't fathom the idea of like a grown man telling a young girl what she can and cannot wear. And I mean, it's fair to say they were body shaming you because you said mm -hmm. you're a curvier girl. Like, Oh my God, there's, do you know how hard a 17 year old girl already is on herself and trying to accept her own body for what it is. And especially, you know, being a curvier girl, all of that is 10 times harder. And then you have these people on top of it being like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. You need to cover up. Yeah, exactly. All the time. And like, it's not so I mean, much shame. I'm, I'm sure you were probably wearing like old Navy crew necks and they thought <laughs> that you were wearing like freaking a lace bra and nothing else and showing up. To yeah. and they're like, where did you get the old Navy? We told you gap has the tighter crew neck. Yeah, exactly. Do not let those boobies fall out. Yeah. Like we can see the outline of your bra. 
Um, so that's too tight. And why would you want to wear that? It's like, you're wanting to dress worldly. It's like, you're wanting to, you know, be this way. And it was so sad because, you know, once I was in high school, I kind of like found ways to make like the skirt, like cute. Like I'd find like a shirt that matched and like, you know, shoes that I, I kind of found a cute way to put the outfits together. And they said, like, even then I'm, I was doing what I was supposed to, I was wearing the skirts. They said, you know, that's too worldly. It's like, you're trying to be flashy and worldly and dress like, you know, people in the world. Oh, oh this, like, I could not imagine if I had a daughter, her going through all of this. Yeah. And so like, how did your parents treat you? I mean, especially after this whole debacle with the church and you being a total slut and kissing. Yeah. I mean, they believed it, you know, like they stood by it. I mean, my mom told me, um, you know, thank God that nothing worse happened. And like, thank God that, you know, Christ is coming in to save you from this. And I mean, they totally, they believed it and let it happen. And that was a really hard thing for me for a long time after this, because it was really hard not to resent them and like not resent the fact that they let this happen because I I mean, I would never let a grown man ever scream at my kids. If I had kids, like, I, I don't know how any of that and knowing that I was like locked in my room and like, you, you know, you saw how bad that it affected me and they let it happen. But I guess, you know, the way that I've gotten through that is they thought they were doing what was right. They believe it. Like that's, and that's my mom's reality. It's still her reality. My mom and my family is still part of it. And like, she thought that she was saving her kids. Like she thought that for me, that she was doing what was right to get me to go to heaven, I guess. I feel like that's the, especially me listening to your story. This, this is bringing up so many memories of, I did an interview with a woman whose mom had Munchausen by proxy. And yes, I'm like, I'm feeling a lot of those same feelings, but I'm not going to make the same mistake and I'm not going to try and, you know, call out your mom. I just, I need to understand that like in her head, she truly believed that what she's doing is right. And just like your mom seeing the way that other people in today's society are raising their kids and allowing their kids to do certain things because we justify it as like, you know, that's kids and they have to experience things. She thinks that, those parents are awful parents in, you know, just the kind of same way that anyone listening to this is going to be under the impression that your mom wasn't there for her daughter, the way that we believe a mom should. And it's, it's super hard listening to stories like this that are so out of our own realm of reality to wrap our head around that narrative. Me and my sister both listen to your podcast and we both listened to that Munchausen one. And it's funny because we both were like, that's like kind of relatable. Not that I think she has that, but just kind of how she was. And like, it really resonated with both of us. I've just tried really hard to just forgive and just accept that like, that's their reality and that she thought she was doing what was best. What did it look like when, 
or how did you kind of get to the point where you decided that you were going to separate from the church? At 16 years old, I got a job and, you know, the church is very much, like I said, very male dominant. Um, they don't think women should work. They think like your like job as a woman is being at home and serving your husband. My parents didn't want me to get a job. I got a job at Sears as a cashier. Um, <laughs> I, I was waiting for you to be job. like, I got a job at Hot Topic or like, I got a job yeah, right? at Boutique. You're like, Sears. <laughs> <laughs> I was ringing up jeans wishing I could wear them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I know Sears as a cashier. They weren't happy, but I think also too, like probably my dad more than my mom because they both had their own businesses. Like I think Without saying it, I think they kind of kind of appreciated a little bit that like I wanted to do that, but it was very much not in favor of like the church. So uh, eventually, I, in the beginning, I was able to have every Sunday off, um, probably for like my first year working. And um, I just said I had church on Sunday, so I didn't it didn't make me have to miss church services. But eventually, you know, I had to. It was a retail job; like you have to work sometimes on Sundays. And so when I first started missing a couple church services, they had a service about me. And mind you, my whole family's there. And like, also something to keep in mind during all of this is I have younger siblings, mm-hmm. so like they were there at all of these services. It was like they were looking at me like I was like really fucking up, <laughs> like a really a bad seed. Um, because but, you're working at Sears and getting paid minimum wage and right. doing things that regular teenagers do. Yeah. But because and I'm the not even like, so... you're not even, you're not even the loser teen. Who's like going out and getting high with your friends. You're like, guys, I've got to go to Sears. I've got my shift on. <laughs> God. <Yeah. laughs> I know how sad. You have to think in the small group, like everyone judged each other so bad. So they were so embarrassed and ashamed of it. And my mom was like, you're embarrassing our family and all this stuff. And, but I, I I wanted to work from a young age. I knew that I wanted, I always kind of had this like sense of independence, but I was like, I want to work. And like, I, without knowing it, that I was planning like a better life for myself, but because I don't, no one told me to do any of this, but started working. And then, you know, when all of that stuff happened, when I kissed the boy and all of that, I started to notice that like things were not true. Like I started to notice, you know, in all of that, the pastor of the church would say stuff like so-and-so said, you know, this about you. And I was like, but that's, I, that didn't happen. That's not true. And he's like, well, you know, you need to go and apologize to them. And like, you need to go and do this. And so I, I started to catch on to things. And I was like, if you can read thoughts, how, why are you believing lies? Like if you can read people's thoughts and know what's true, then why are you believing all these lies that people are saying? You know what I mean? My thought process is like, if you are really a prophet of Jesus Christ, why are there like 40 people in your living room? Like why is not Jesus telling you how to reach everybody in the world? Why aren't you, you're living in your three bedroom ranch house out in the middle of nowhere and nobody's listening to you. Yeah, exactly. So I think I started to pick up on things and like, I got a job in cosmetics. Um, I went to beauty school. That was a whole thing. I had to get, they had to ask him and I had to get approval to go to beauty school 
They said I couldn't go for hair because, you know, it's wrong to cut women's hair or color people's hair, but I could go for aesthetics, which is skincare. So I went. And you better not um, be putting any of that Satan stuff all over people's faces, the makeup. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I got a job in cosmetics and they said it was so wrong. Um, I told my mom, I'm like, I have to, you know, wear a little bit of makeup to at work. Like, you know, I have to. And I, I mean, it was like a kid who's never had candy in their life because I was not allowed to ever play with makeup or anything like that. So I loved it. I was so excited. And they said it was wrong. And I said, well, this is what I want to do. I mean, I went to so many church services where I sat there feeling so guilty and so horrible. And it just got like so much where I was like, I don't want to feel this anymore. Like, I don't want to sit here and feel so horrible all the time. I still got the job. Um, I did it. And I finally, you know, had enough money to move out on my own. And he said that that was completely wrong. If I choose to do that, then that's wrong. That women never move out on their own. Uh, they said that women only move out when they get married to a man. And if not, it have to be like a compound, like a group of women all living together. But that if I did that and I chose to do that, that it was completely wrong. And I said, I want to, mom. She said, you know, it's a shame for our family. She was very disappointed and upset, but like she still loved me as her daughter, which a lot of families in the church, like I watch people cut off their kids, like never speak to their kids again or leaving the church. Um, never speak to their brother or sister again. But my mom didn't, she didn't do that. She still kept a relationship with me. But once I moved out, that was it for me. I was like, I, I, I wasn't, you know, welcomed there. They didn't really invite me. And I still would see them on holidays. And for years, I still would go to like big events just for my younger, younger siblings because I felt really bad that they were like embarrassed of me in a way to those people because like I was seen as such like a, a, a bad, a bad seed. So I would still go for them sometimes and just like pretend, but it became even stressful going because it's like, okay, I need to make sure that, that like I wear a skirt and I need to make sure I don't have any makeup on and like play this part that I, it was not natural for me anymore. You know, can I just say something? Yeah. <sighs> like I, if, if you were my daughter, Okay. I mean, we're the same age, but let's pretend in some <laughs> weird world that you were my daughter. I hope that you know that I would be so proud to be your dad because of the fact that you went out and you made a living for yourself. You're supporting yourself. You're doing all this stuff. You're not dependent on anybody else. And like, that's what we want for our kids. I'm so like, I literally can feel like my arms turning red because I'm just mad that like you were being put down for doing something that like, that's what we want all of our kids to do. If you were my daughter, I would be so fucking proud. I'd be like, you, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Like, thank God. Like you're not in a situation where like, you know, you moved in with a guy and you're dependent on him and you're like, Cause I'll be honest with you. Like I, I do these secrets and people share stuff with me and they're like, there's a lot of women who say they want to leave their husband, but financially they don't know how, um, the custody situation is difficult. Like I'm super proud of you that you went to school, you put yourself through school you got a job. You, you supported yourself. You worked at a young age. Like you've done all these things. These are not things that you should have ever felt shame about. 
Thank you. Sorry. That makes me emotional. Thank you. That means a lot. I know it, you know, it's sad. Like my sister says that to me and it means so much, but like my mom never could really say it. Cause it's like in saying that, I think she also has to admit that like, she's happy I left, which she's not. Um, because to them, you know, getting a job, like all of that doesn't mean anything. What means something is, you know, going to church and going to heaven. Like none of them are really successful. My mom is successful, but like a lot of these people in this church, they aren't none of their kids either. It's funny. Cause all these kids who are younger than me, a lot of them got involved in drugs, like alcohol, DUIs, like they've been to jail, like all this stuff. And I'm almost shocked that like, I didn't do that because I think when you're brought up so sheltered and like in that environment, that when you step out of that environment, you kind of go really extreme and do all these things. So I don't know. I, I don't, honestly don't know how, why I didn't, how I didn't become like that. When I moved out on my own, on my days off, I went to Barnes and Noble and I read self-help books like that. I mean, I would literally go and sit and read self-help books because in a way, when I got out of that, I felt like this is my chance at a second life. Life's starting now for me. What do I like? Like, I don't even know who I am. I don't know myself as much as I thought I did. I don't. And so I would go read self-help books. I just tried to figure out myself and I'm so grateful that I did that. And I don't know what, what made me do that. Cause no one told me to do that. No one encouraged me at that point. You know, my sister was still in the church. I had nobody really like I have friends and like I had a boyfriend um, eventually, but like nobody really understood. And so it's like, you can't really talk to somebody that would really understand the whole thing. But you but did that. Though. Like you you have such a good head on your shoulders. You're the one who pushed yourself to do that. You are, it's, it's easy for people in coming from your situation to fall into drug abuse and become losers and become people who don't work hard and don't want anything for themselves. And it's, it's, it's also really easy for you as someone who left the church to fall victim to all of that and feel like, woe is me all the time. And you didn't do that. And like, mm-hmm. that's the, that's where I'm like trying to get you to understand, like, hot damn, like you've done a <laughs> lot of stuff. And if ever you have a day where you doubt yourself, like don't, because I feel like a fucking loser talking to you. And I, I oh feel like I'm gosh. pretty successful and stuff. And I'm like, that's, that is a lot, a lot of self motivation and motivating yourself is one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. I have a question for you. Yes. At a certain point in this conversation, you stopped referencing your dad. Yeah. Um, my parents got divorced right after that had happened. So I must have been 18. It was just really, it was like a really dramatic, messy situation. And he did a lot of bad things in that whole thing. But I'm, but I don't have a relationship with him anymore. How did their divorce go down with the church? Yeah. So the church actually doesn't believe in divorce. So they don't believe a woman can divorce a man. They believe a man can divorce a woman, but divorce is only if somebody basically turns to the world and leaves the church. Like they have to completely leave, um, like the godly part of it. And then that's a reason that's an excuse that you can divorce them. 
things got really bad with my dad and my mom. He was like very verbally abusive. I think, I mean, he was like that kind of our whole life, but it got really bad and he left and, you know, then they got a divorce and he was no longer part of the church. But at that point I was already like getting out. So that's not the reason why I stopped talking to him. It was, you know, other things that he did that were really bad. And your younger siblings, where are they at right now in life? Are they both still a part of the church? They are. And that's the hard part is like, it's so hard for me to not like completely overstep and try and get my sister. Like my brother is, he's only four years younger than me. So he's an adult and um, he's married now. He married a girl in the church and at 18, because they married very young. And he's kind of an adult and I'm not as worried, but I, I worry about my little sister. Me and my older sister worry a lot about her just because she's, she's young, she's 16 and I don't want her to, you know, have to go through what I went through. But I guess the difference that like, I try to remind myself and like my sister, my older sister and I talk about it a lot is that like, I didn't have somebody to go to. And so we just try to like stay present and let her know we're here. And like, I mean, there's nothing else you can really do, you know, but at least she has somebody and like, she would have somewhere to go if she didn't want to be there. You know, you can't convince somebody out of it. Like we want to so badly, but it's like, you have to just, they have to decide on their own or like, cause that's her reality right now. Well, I think the best thing that you can do is you keep living your life. You keep doing it the way that you've been doing it. Cause I feel like you've been doing a really, really good job. And that is just an example that shows to her like, Hey, my sister who this church has called a piece of shit. And they've said, she's an awful example. She's living a great life and she yeah. hasn't been struck down by lightning. She hasn't gotten cancer. You know, none of this has happened. And you just, all you can really do is be a glimmer of hope for her that if she does leave, she can live a life like you have. Yeah. That's so funny you say that because my sister's therapist said that because it's like, it's so hard not to be like, why are you, why are you guys going to do that? Or like, do you see how dumb that is? Or why do you believe what he says? Or it's so hard to jump into it. But when you jump in and it just put, they put walls up right away. They don't even want to hear it. Just like I didn't want to hear it or talk about it. And it's funny because that's what my my sister's therapist told her is like, you best thing that you guys can do is be as happy as ever. Don't get into the arguments, like be an example that your life is great. And guess what? Like you don't, you're not dying and like, you're actually thriving. You're both very successful and like, you're having a great life and that's going to be the best example for her. But, but I worry all the time about it because it's like, it's like anything he says for them to do, they'll go and do it. And I worry that like, she'll marry somebody that she doesn't want to marry or I just worry all the time for her, but you know, I just focus on what I can control. And I mean, you have to realize too, it's, I I think the, the example that I would make out of that is like, for me, if someone comes to me and is like, Hey, you're a fat ass. You need to stop eating shit. I'm going to be healthy (laughs) food. I'm never going to do it. 
But like, Mm -hmm. if I can witness somebody else who's like going, who is at the same weight that I am now, and I can watch them, you know, lose the weight and like be happier and look like a fucking, cause like for me at this point, I'm like, Oh, I'll never be skinny again. It's never going to happen. So why do I want to do it? But like, if I could witness somebody else do it and they can be like, Oh, it wasn't even that hard. Like, this is what I did. And you know, I can model the things that they've done. But if you try to shame somebody, it's exactly what you said. They're going to put walls up. She's not going to want to hear what you have to say. She's going to think that you're just trying to put your own views on her. But if you just keep living your life and you just keep, you know, killing it, like I feel like you have been, she's going to gravitate towards that because she's going to want that. Yeah, I hope so. So where are you at right now? What does your life look like? How do you feel like where you're at now has been shaped by everything that you went through? I feel like I'm at the best place ever. It's funny. I hear people like our age who are about to be in their thirties and they're like so upset about being 30 and they're so upset about being older, but like, I'm so happy. Like I'm, I'm actually so excited. Cause I feel like my life is at such a great place. And I feel like I know myself so well and I'm so happy that I have my older sister now that like we can talk about this stuff and I have someone that like I can talk to and, you know, share that with a few years ago, I actually decided I wanted to date women. Mm -hmm. And so I have a girlfriend, my family doesn't know. My sister's the only one that knows she's actually coming into town this weekend and she's going to meet her, which is a huge deal. I go to like activist events for women and like that support women. I think because of so many years of watching women be such a minority in this group and in this church that like, I'm so against that. And I'm so pro women's rights and equality. And I don't know so many things, but I feel like I'm at a really good place. That makes me happy. And I wish more people could understand that like, I don't know why so many people feel threatened by the idea that like women's rights are somehow like going against men. And it's not like I grew up in a house with five sisters and my mom and my dad. So like, I don't know. I've just, I've always viewed women as equals, but like people like you, you grew up in a place where women are shamed and put down. And I'm thankful that you're in the place now where you are one of those people who's out there fighting for women who can't fight for themselves. People like in your church who, cause here's the thing too, is there's other people from your church who see it the same exact way that you do, but they feel so put down that they physically mentally cannot do what you've done. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that was like my motivation behind doing this podcast is I think when people think of like cults and church groups, they think they're super out there or like, or maybe it's like a fantasy type thing, but like this type thing exists where you wouldn't even know and no one's even going to talk about it. And it's very small. And I feel like there's a lot more people that are involved in things like that than what we realized. Like when I was in school, nobody had no idea and they bullied the crap out of me. And I feel like if someone could hear this and it resonated with them that, you know, maybe it would inspire them to follow their heart and go with what makes them happy and not feel like so suppressed or like know that it's not right to shame people like that. And it's not right for anyone to control anybody's life like that. 
Well, and I think, you know, this is this is one example. This is an example of a cult, but there are so many young girls in this exact same situation with a whole bunch of different variables. But like at the end of the day, there's a lot of girls who are growing up with these same circumstances. And I hope that people who listen to this episode can recognize that in whatever it is. Because, I mean, there are families. There are just plain families. That's not a cult. It's not a religion or anything where the men are pieces of shit and they put their daughters down. They make their daughters feel less than. They make their boys feel like this is how we treat women. And that just can't be. I don't know why people think men are so superior. Like I'm a man and I am such a fucking like baby. I'm a loser. Like, I, <laughs> you know, I'm like this, nothing in my life would happen if it wasn't for my wife. Like I would just sit on my couch and watch my 600 pound life at McDonald's every single day. Like my wife is the one who's like, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I think there's, I don't know how people have this crazy viewpoint on women. Like they're so much tougher than us. At the end of each interview, I always take a few minutes to just talk to the person that I interviewed and ask them, you know, how they thought it went. Are they okay? Make sure everything's good. And thankfully for you guys, I didn't stop recording because there's one more piece of information that she left out. But before I give it to you, I'm going to ask you guys for a favor. I'm putting this in now because I know I have something that you want. And trust me, you want it. Please share Beyond the Secret. Put it on your social media. Put it on your stories. Put it in those Facebook groups where you guys talk about ovulation and periods and vagina hair and whatever else. Because I need the help. And I know that you guys enjoy it. You're listening to this an hour and five minutes in. I know that you enjoy it. So please, please help me out. Do I sound like a desperate bitch? Absolutely I do. Because I am. There's no shame in my game. And I need you guys to help me make this podcast go to where it needs to go. Okay, so one last bit. I totally forgot to mention something. Now I'm upset. Uh oh. Well, um, where does it? Tell me where it goes, and then tell me so I can put it in the right spot. Well, the leader of the church has two wives. What? How do you forget to mention that? I'm sorry. That's why I said there's so much. I'm like, there's so <laughs> many things. Like several years ago. He decided that he said that um, basically like they referred to like the man as Adam, like, you know, Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. He said that Adam has like multiple ribs. Like, you know how in the Bible he said took Adam's rib and made Eve. Yeah. Adam has multiple ribs. And so he has multiple Eves Um, and he took a second wife. And there's actually a couple people that have like a living extra girl. At their house. Oh my God. You know my love of sister wives. I um, know. I know. That's why I wanted to tell you about it. And I totally forgot. I forgot no, to bring okay. it up. It's fine. Cause I, I mean, I'm still recording, so I'm going to put this in there. Um, this is why I never 
stop recording. Cause I'm like, sometimes something can come up at the end, but so he has a second wife. Yeah. And that's another thing. Like that was another big thing that he said, if anybody ever goes and talks about this, cause obviously it's illegal. Mm-hmm. If anybody thinks anything negative against this, then you don't need to be here. And like, you need to leave because you are like, if you think something negative about it, he's, said you're cancer to this church and you need to go. So I was scared to talk about that for like several years into my adulthood because I was like, I just don't want to say anything. I don't want to talk about it, but yeah, he has two wives. Um, Does he have kids from the second him. wives? No, but this is the crazy part. He had his own kids with his wife. She had kids. Her daughter married his son and they're <gasps> married. What? And they live on that property all too. Yeah. So uh, like basically a stepbrother and stepsister got married to each other. Yeah. I mean, him and her didn't, it's not like they had a wedding and like legally married each other, but he says it's his wife. He has two wives. What the fuck? Yeah. I know. That is crazy. And like, I know. And that's and like another thing is like my... See, I don't remember him ever saying that, but I know multiple men have gone and asked him if they could take a second wife. And I know that there were times where they were seeing somebody else. Like there's, I can't say like if they were having sex or not. I know there's been others that asked and I know of at least one of them that has two women there, but I don't know if he calls it his wife, but yeah, he, he says, I don't, I don't remember him saying that only he could. My sister said she remembers that, but I don't. But um, basically, I think it's like he can do whatever he wants and everyone else needs to get permission and like approval for him. A Lifetime drama movie is one hour and 30 minutes. And I feel like I'm quickly approaching that length here. But I just have a backstory that I need to share with you guys. The woman in this interview is actually somebody who when I was a freshman, sophomore in high school, somebody that I met online. Like this is back in the MySpace days and we used to talk every single day. I had a huge crush on her and I didn't know any of this was going on. We only met one time in person. Um, and I maybe that sounds weird, and it probably was, but it never felt weird. We would talk on the phone for hours and talk online and text, and she, literally, it's just so crazy to me because I think back on that time, and during that time, I was going through one of the hardest points in my life, and so was she, and neither of us really ever talked about it. We just kind of, we talked about everything, but for some reason, we never really talked about this. And I think it's because for both of us, not really knowing the other person on, I don't know, it's not like, like she didn't know the people that I went to school with, and I didn't know the people she went to school with. She didn't know my family. I didn't know her family. We would just talk, and it's so crazy to me because she literally was one of my only friends during a period of time and she just helped me get through so much 
without even talking about it. And the reason that I want to say that, and the reason that I think it's important is because you don't have to be a therapist-type person to be there for somebody. You can just simply be there. You can be the person that they talk to on the phone until 2 in the morning just talking about bullshit. We used to watch shows at like the same time and do our MySpace layouts together. Like it was just, it was such a good friendship because it just made me so happy during that time. And eventually, you know, we lost touch and we went our separate ways. But just, just know that. Just know that you can be there for somebody and you can be a bright light for somebody even if you think that you can't. Okay, so that's it. I didn't quite make Lifetime movie length, but maybe next time. Thank you guys for listening. Please rate and review the podcast on Apple because that is how I grow. And the more that this podcast grows, the more secrets I can bring you. I will see all of you guys next week. Everybody has a secret. <laughs>